HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Support for this episode comes from Team Pennsylvania, hosting the Pennsylvania Hemp Summit, two events in 2022 offering a place for farmers, professionals, investors, and policymakers to learn and connect. Details at pahempsummit.com. Welcome to Die Green on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Max Sussman. And I'm Kate McCabe. Welcome back, everyone. How was your week? <laughs> Just leaving an awkward pause so people can uh, respond. Uh, so, Max, Guzzletove. Tell us what the uh, title of today's well, we wanted to, episode means. Uh, wish Ireland's newest food publication a congratulations in the Jewish style. Uh, since, you know, one half of the dyed green team here is of the tribe. So, uh, big mazel tov to guzzle. So we're calling this episode guzzle tov. Um, because why not? Because why not? But let's take a step back. What, before we even get into that, we wanted to talk a little bit about the landscape of food media in Ireland and how exciting it is to be seeing so many new publications spring up like, you know, plants after a long winter coming up through the through the soil sprouting up like mushrooms after a strong rain i like it i like it so our guest on today's show is jane gleason and jane is the editor of guzzle magazine which i believe hits the shelves on november 20th guzzle is a publication about the intersection of food and art so it's a little bit different than some of the other publications that already exist in Ireland. And it joins a couple of food publications that we are currently pretty excited about, which includes Scoop Magazine by our friend Kristen Jensen. Yeah, we had Kristen on the show to talk about her other project, Wasta Books. So um, one of these days we'll have to have her back on the show to talk about Scoop Magazine. Sure, but let's not talk about Kristen today. Okay. Let's talk about Jane. We're really excited to talk to Jane about Guzzle because, you know, one of the 
important things that we do at Die Green is we use media to comment on the food landscape and to talk about what's happening in the world of food, not just what people eat, but how people eat, sort of what that means in terms of culture, uh, in terms of politics, in terms of the bigger issues of society. And um, we love to talk to other folks who are doing the same thing, but in a different way. I think that's really what Guzzle has set out to do is to talk about food, but not just, you know, food trends, uh, cool new recipes and stuff like that, but really to use art as a way to get at what it means to eat and what food can tell us about a culture and about society. So I think we've got a lot in common and I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. And I I really like that idea that the magazine is coming from a completely different direction to talk about food because, you know, quite frankly, sure, everybody eats, but most people, many people don't really care about food per se or don't consider themselves um, that terrible word that we still haven't found a synonym for, foodies. Um, And I think that what Guzzle is doing, using art as a lens, and Jane will talk about what she even means by art, because it's not just, you know, we're not talking about just painting and fine arts. We're talking about photography. We're talking about architecture. We're talking about design, all of these other areas and using these as a lens to approach societal issues that intersect with food. And I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Uh, So let's get into the interview. What do you say? Yeah, that's great. And uh, we'll talk about it at the end, but in case you don't make it, I don't know why you wouldn't make it to the end, but you should check out Guzzle right now on Instagram at guzzle.ie, and there will be many more ways for you to follow their work in the future. So stay tuned. Jane Gleason, welcome to Dyed Green. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Kate and Max. I'm delighted to be here. Before we start to talk about the publication itself, if you could tell us a little bit about your background and interest in food and kind of what led up to this idea of starting a food publication. Brilliant. Um, I guess my interest in food uh, and art specifically has been a kind of an interesting one in the sense that it kind of jumped back and forth consistently. So when I was a kid, I just used to dump myself in front of cookery shows and sit and watch them all day over cartoons. And then that kind of continued to manifest over the years where I would go into like art classes. And then I suppose at the age of 15, when I started doing home ec at school, probably a bit younger than that, um, I was spending all of my evenings cooking lots of errors. Um, Probably wasn't the best cook at 15. Not an amazing cook now either. And then after school, I was kind of figuring out if I wanted to do culinary arts or or humanities or visual art. And I actually started culinary arts, dropped out and ended up going to art college to do a course called visual culture. It was all about the theories behind history and design. And I got really, really, really into design and kind of printed matter um, and even went on Erasmus to a design college and just really loved it. But then during the pandemic, I was actually working in Science Gallery Dublin as an event manager. and obviously events were off. So I had lots of time on my hands. And I think a lot of people kind of reassessed where they were going and what they were doing. And obviously there's that quote that's thrown around about like pursuing what you spend most of your time doing. So I was like, oh my God, like I'm obsessed with food. I might as well look at opportunities while, you know, everything's kind of on pause. So I enrolled in the MA in gastronomy and food studies at TU Dublin, 
And I suppose it was a way for me to kind of bring that food angle into the kind of creative, creative output that I was doing. And Guzzle was kind of, I suppose, born during that time. Sounds like it's a really natural sort of, you know, joining of two two strands of interest that you've had for like a really long time. One of the questions we wanted to ask about were, were the contributors to the magazine. It seems like there's a really big international connection to the to the contributions. Many of the contributors have spent a lot of time abroad, including you know London and Spain and New York. Are those connections that you formed during your time? Uh, as you just described, how has the process of finding your collaborators and your contributors worked? And what types of stories are being told by people returning home to Ireland after spending so much time in other countries? Um, so I suppose the international connection wasn't something I uh, intentionally kind of sought out, but it naturally came up because of the brief and because of the themes of the first issue. So the first issue is about nostalgia and food memories. And for me, it was actually because um, because COVID was happening and I was kind of missing that connection that people have with each other through food. And then when I briefed, briefed everybody, that was, that was kind of the theme that I was proposing. And I think that when people are, you know, in different countries, when they're living abroad, when they're missing home, when they're missing their family or even things that they're familiar with, I think food is a way for them to really relive those memories and people just naturally spoke about that, those kind of affiliations with being in different countries. Like, for example, Lara, Lara Hanlon speaks about a time that she lived in New York during the pandemic. Um, and though she actually lives in, in Galway at the minute, she very much spoke about New York and as an Irish person. So, yeah, so it, it, it wasn't even a case that she was living abroad at the time, but was more so about like reliving those memories through the food that she was looking for at the time. I don't want to ruin any of the essays, but it was about her quest for the perfect potato, well, the perfect Irish potato in New York. Well, you'll have to, we'll have to find out whether she finds it or not, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. You asked a question there, actually, sorry, I completely forgot the end, but you asked about kind of um, finding the contributors as well. So I suppose there were lots of different ways of doing that. Like initially I created a shortlist and there were loads of different people that I was interested in having on board. And I suppose I was kind of in my head curating it in a different way. So with anybody that I wanted to speak to, I wanted, well, there were certain topics that I was hoping that people would address, but I didn't want to veer them in a certain direction. So even if I wanted certain people to talk about certain things, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Um, and, you know, I didn't, that shortlist that I dreamt up, I didn't necessarily you know, work with all of those people because some people aren't comfortable writing because they're not necessarily writers. And then other people actually proposed essays themselves and other people were recommended through word of mouth or friends. So lots of different routes, but the writers and, and contributors, they're all just, they've all worked really nicely. It's so it's been so interesting seeing everybody's unique perspectives and unique responses to the brief. I'm curious, we have noticed what seems to be a little bit of a maybe an uptick in Irish food, independent Irish food publications recently. I'm thinking about Guzzle, which is about to come out, also Bia Zine and Scoop magazine. Maybe the pandemic had something to do with why those magazines are happening now. But I was wondering if you thought that maybe there was something about this moment and Irish food in particular that is helping to give rise to some of these publications. Yeah, I think I think the def or the pandemic definitely is one of the causes. Um, again, like I feel like during that time, or you know, during the period of the pandemic, 
people had a lot of time on their hands. And then again, it was probably a form of connection for me. It was, I imagine maybe for other people, it might've been too. But I think the other reason is, and especially with Scoop magazine, I, this is what I'm assuming, but I think it's because Irish food is really being put on the map at the minute. Like we have this amazing produce that I think Irish people have known about for a very long time, but maybe not been that proud of. And then we've got an amazing culinary education. So those two things combined and, and now our restaurant culture as a result is has been really successful. Um, so I think over the past couple of years, people are starting to see the importance of Irish food internationally and domestically. And with the likes of Scoop, they're really talking about that. And as well, I suppose with, with Guzzle, I mean, I'm very proud of Irish food. I'm always talking about how amazing it is to people who've either moved abroad or not visited. I'm like a real champion of it. So Guzzle for me was definitely about talking, well, about promoting, I suppose, Irish food. But actually for me, it's about promoting Irish food culture, which is something that a lot of people definitely don't know about. Like, it's definitely not all about the potato. There's lots more to it. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what is this difference between promoting Irish food and promoting Irish food culture and how, how does that come across in the, in Guzzle? Well, there's very little promotion of Irish food aside from Lara Hanlon's quest for the perfect potato. And uh, like I said, our, our produce is amazing. I think it's down to our climate and, and the kind of green, green grass, the luscious green grass. So many, like so many amazing food products can come from that. In terms of the food culture, um, like that was, that's the real focus of Guzzle. So it's kind of telling stories through the lens of food, but looking at it from so many different angles. So whether that's kind of migration, travel, um, what else has come up? Like different kind of creative projects. So Amy McHugh, I, I spoke to her specifically because she she's an architect who runs a design and food festival in, in Cork. So it was about kind of looking at those different, different connections between architecture and design and food. And then, you know, you've got the likes of, say, Lottie Magnus, who, who actually was an assistant producer on the project, but also wrote about why she came to Ireland, was, which was specifically about an Irish person that her family knew, and they kind of connected through food. So looking at kind of maybe kind of traditional cultures, but then also very much contemporary cultures and how people act and respond to food. We wanted to talk a little bit about the relationship between art and food. So a lot of people would think, we hear that phrase and think to the plates that chefs create and viewing food as a work of art, which not everybody agrees with, but some people, some chefs really do approach their food that way. But then there's also art that's not food, that's made about food. So can you talk about the connection between those two, the ways that food and art intersect in your view and how that comes across in Guzzle? Yeah, I think there's so many different ways. Like in terms of the aesthetic, obviously, yes, chefs do create food that is similar to a work of art, like the likes of chapter one and so on. In terms of like the other ways that arts and that art and, and the arts and food sit together, I suppose Guzzle is definitely different in that regard. It definitely wasn't looking at it in an aesthetic way. It was, I suppose, using food and art to discuss certain certain things, whether it was about changes in society in Ireland or, like I said, migration and different cultures. Um, I think that art and food are similar in the way that, you know, artists use their platform and, and their creative practice to speak about very different important things. And I think food is a really, really useful way of doing that too. So whether it's doing like a curated dinner and talking about a different topic or it is, 
doing something like Guzzle where you're writing about it through the lens of food. Um, so yeah, I think there's like massive parallels between art and food in that regard. So kind of using it to tackle different kind of societal issues or, or conversations. So following on from Max's question, a lot of people say that good art is about challenging people, but some of the best food is about comforting people. I'm wondering how you see Guzzle positioned in this context. Do you think it's more about yeah. ch- challenging people about the issues or providing something familiar and comforting or or both? I think it's a bit about both. Um, and, and like I said earlier, there were many unique kind of responses to the brief and the different topics. So for me, like... I, like I did a bit of research on comfort food prior. Well, I did a lot of research about comfort food and nostalgia. It was definitely a rising trend that occurred during the pandemic because people were shaken up and, and wanted some kind of respite in food, especially nostalgic foods from say childhood or even just generations in time and um, became a really hot topic. So you can kind of look at it in a way that it is a really comforting, positive like thing and uh, yeah, like a respite. However, by reading Guzzle, and I know you, you, I, I sent you one of the essays, it's quite different to that. So the essays that people contributed are quite raw and emotional and, and tend to look at how food has comforted them through, through challenging times. So like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, kind of unleash any spoilers, but like they, com- they tend to be quite personal um, like in, in reading some of them, especially Rebecca Broomfields, for example, which is the one that I, I shared with you, Tea and Sandwiches, was about a really, really distraught and emotional time in her life. And she's talking about, I suppose, Irish tradition and Irish cultures at funerals and, and you know, the way that we consume tea and, and having sandwiches and all those very little kind of Irishisms. But actually, when you get to the, I, again, don't ruin it. It's quite an emotional kind of raw essay by the end of it. And even with the likes of Jenny Moran of Lunchnet, so she writes about being a mother and hosting and being that caregiver to a child, but actually uses that to bring up a real, a massive issue in Irish society, which is direct provision. So like we are talking about these really, you know, seemingly comforting, lovely, traditional, cultural topics, but actually telling quite important stories through the lens of comfort food, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really great answer and made me, it made me really looking forward to getting our hands on a copy of the magazine. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited. Perhaps this is a bit of a tangent, but it's reminding me of something that I just read yesterday. I just started reading Seamus O'Reilly's memoir, but he was five years old when his mother died and he's talking about hosting all these people in his house and all the different food that people would bring over. And he talks a lot about fruitcake and how people are always bringing fruitcakes to other people's houses. But the big secret is that everyone in Ireland secretly hates fruitcake <laughs> and no one really knows how old it is. There's some theories that people are always just bringing over a fruitcake that someone else gave to them and then just offloading it on someone else. And it I think the, the essay that you sent us and his essay are very much like siblings. Yeah, that sounds really good. I've seen his book. I remember when it was launched. So I must get a copy of it. I absolutely hate fruitcake, but my sister has lived abroad for so long that she has, she kind of has this romantic uh, appreciation for it. But I know that if she actually lived in Ireland, she'd probably hate it too. <laughs> One of those funny things. It'd be funny if there was just like, a finite number of endlessly circulating fruitcakes that were just being passed around yeah. from 
family to family. <laughs> With lashings and lashings of butter, that's the only way you can eat it. Yeah. Back to the magazine and, and the, to the art world. So there are so many mediums in when someone says art, you know, maybe they think of painting, maybe one person thinks of photography, but, you know, there's also in, that you're also working with um, poetry and architecture and there's music. How did you decide what to focus on? And do you think there's types of art that lend themselves to talking about food and cult- food culture more than others? Um, I don't think so. I think they all kind of can make a gesture to food culture in some way or other, uh, whether that's kind of architecture, visual art, graphic design, like even ceramics, they, every single one of those has, it has had connections with food at some point or other. So for me, it was about having variety, having very diverse perspectives um, and looking, kind of having a high level overview of what was in it and then assessing that every so often to make sure that all kind of angles were covered. Um, I was looking, for example, I really wanted poetry included but I couldn't really think of anybody and I was looking and I couldn't find anybody specific. But then it turns out Sam Keane, who contributed an essay, he he works in, far, he is a forager and a musician and a poet and a writer. He actually contributed two poems within his story. So that was amazing to have because it meant that it was a box that I was able to tick. Not that, you know, there were boxes, but it, again, I wanted, like I said, something really diverse and having lots of different angles and, and yeah, for it to be quite meaty in that regard. Um, so yeah, there wasn't anything specific, but I suppose there was a certain element of bias because, I mean, I'm really into visual art and, you know, that's why I commissioned Rudy to do a series of photog- a series of photographs for it. But actually, I suppose I would be more kind of interested in, well, not more, but I, I'm also really interested in like architecture and visual communication and graphic design. So a lot of the people that I was thinking of are people that have like, designed restaurants or done different branding projects and so on so I had to really step away from that familiarity and really try and look at different angles and different people as well. What was behind your decision to make Guzzle an annual publication? (laughs) I mean I would love it to be more frequent but the amount of time and effort uh, that you need to put into something like this is super challenging. Um, Also funding like I actually came up with the idea for Guzzle quite some time ago and um I did lots of research. I, I I mean, I'm quite familiar with the library project anyway. I tend to buy stuff from them quite a bit. But I, I they had like a food bundle and I bought everything in it. And I was like writing different kind of, doing lots of research online and then writing different notes about it and fleshing out lots of ideas. And then one day I was like, this is absolutely bonkers. I was like, I've done plenty of creative projects and a lot of the time they don't make any money or else they lose money. So I was like, okay, I've done this numerous times. For once, I'm going to shelve what's happening and not pursue it because it's just going to be really tough to get it printed. And then I saw the Arts Council Agility Agility Award application and was like, okay, I'll just give it a go. I'll see how I'll see how I get on. And thankfully, I, I received that bursary, so it gave me the drive to actually pursue it. Um, and I did. I think I shelved it for about three months prior to that. So yeah, it, it would definitely would be more consistent if I had. Um, more time on my hands and more funding behind it. So I really, really hope that, I mean, it's going to be a very limited run, but I really hope that issue one is successful so that we can do an issue two and more after that. Support for this episode comes from Team Pennsylvania, hosting the Pennsylvania Hemp Summit with two events in 2022 that offer a place for farmers, professionals, investors, and policymakers to learn and connect 
while providing an occasion to network and grow the businesses that comprise the region's hemp industry. The Pennsylvania Hemp Summit aims to increase the Commonwealth's shared knowledge and resources in order to inspire innovative investments and to form transformative partnerships in the hemp industry. Join us for our upcoming trade show, reception, and investor pitch competition in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on April 26th to 27th, and again on November 8th and 9th for educational sessions, a trade show, and reception. Register to attend or get involved by exhibiting or sponsoring. Details at pahempsummit.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new series on Heritage Radio Network called The Culinary Call Sheet, where we give a peek into the back kitchen of culinary media. I'm your host, April Jones. And I'm your co-host, Darren Bresnitz. Part of why we started this show was to offer an unofficial mentorship for anyone who is interested in learning about all aspects of food and video, whether that's TV, social media, online, or just something you want to do for fun. Absolutely. What was once niche or a little silly, as I'm sure you remember, Darren, when we started out. Yes, ma'am. Has now become such a massive playing field for so many creatives using food as the medium. It's something that has driven us professionally and personally for so many years. What excites me the most about this show is that we're going to sit down with some of the industry leaders to hear how they made it and what drew them into this industry. With 20 years in the culinary production game ourselves, we're hoping we can give, through these conversations, an insider's view into personal stories from the field, as well as an in-depth behind-the-scenes look into some of the most popular food programming in today's evolving culinary media landscape. We'll be covering everything from how to style your food, to how to license IP, to developing your own ideas, and some tips from the masters of how to host your own show. Yeah, it's a little bit of conversation, how to, and how do you do the things that you do in culinary media, which I'm so excited about. I love so many of the guests that are coming on this season. We have talent from Food Network, from Vice Media, Eater, Refinery29. We've met some of the best people in the world, both in front of and behind the camera. And we're bringing them all together to share their stories, their delicious adventure, and their unique journey into this crazy world. So to be the first to hear our episodes when they launch this fall, go to wherever podcasts are streaming and hit subscribe and make sure to give us a follow at the Culinary Call Sheet on Instagram. Aside from what we've talked about so far, is there anything that you would hope that people would take away from reading Guzzle? And what's like, I guess, what's the sort of target audience and and the main message that you're hoping people would absorb? Um target audience is pretty broad. So I suppose when I was dreaming of Guzzle first, I was thinking of it as being, I mean, it, it is going to be a more uh, based on, cause it's going to be like 18 euro because it, it took a lot of, it's like 92 pages. Printing is expensive. So in terms of the demographic, it's probably something along the lines of like 25 to 45 and um, people that are interested in art, food, design, architecture, for me, it's about documenting a time in history. So when I was writing the brief, I did talk a lot about COVID, but I didn't want people to respond to it and talk about, you know, to force themselves to talk about their experiences of COVID. But it was about, you know, what was 
bringing people hope and what was bringing people respite during that time. So I do need to highlight that the essays aren't necessarily about COVID. Mine, mine is, it's about a time, a situation that happened during COVID, but the rest aren't necessarily. So yeah, it's documenting that moment in history and I suppose telling those stories of contemporary Irish culture through food and art and design. So how can someone get their hands on a copy of this incredible sounding magazine? I hope it's incredible. I mean, I love it so far, but again, biased. So the launch party is going to take place from 6 to 8 p.m. in Hen's Teeth in Black Pits in Dublin 8 on Sunday, the 20th of October. And they are going to be doing a Sunday roast, which is very comforting and potatoes pop up a lot. And pints of Guinness, which is amazing because we have uh, Shit London Guinness, aka Ian Ryan, who did a piece. And then I did a piece about Guinness and Toasties. So yeah, lots of folks on Guinness and potatoes. So that's the launch event. And then in terms of, uh, not suppliers, um, I've forgotten the word, distribution. So the library project are going to be selling it and they're going to do a pre-sale so that they can get numbers in advance. I'm going to be selling it online through guzzle.ie. It will be on sale at the night of the launch and Marlowe and Co. in Dublin 8 are also going to be stocking it. And it's going to be at the Dublin Art Book Fair, which I think launches on the 24th of November. So there's going to be a couple of copies going during that as well. I'm looking for other um, distributors. However, there is a very limited run. So maybe I'll be looking to sell in other places, but maybe they will all just be snapped up very quickly. Who knows? Hopefully they will be. And you have an Instagram page too. Are you going to be using that to promote the magazine? And after the magazine comes out, what other sort of mediums are you going to use to keep telling stories about art and food in case the next issue takes a while or, or where will we go when we're all waiting for that? Yeah, so that is actually the idea. So I'm toying, like there will be a website at, in the works at the minute. So Shane Bonfield, who did the layout design for the magazine and all the social media content, uh, is also in the process of creating our website. So I haven't figured this out yet. I'm not sure if we're going to do Substack or if it will be content on the website. Um, But I definitely, like, for example, there is a piece about Rudy's artwork that we didn't include in the magazine, but I want to use that as online content. So I'd like to create content over the next year so that there is, you know, still something happening in the background before the next issue. Because the first issue is obviously about comfort, food, nostalgia. So it also will give me an opportunity to kind of play with different themes and ideas over the next year um, and to get people kind of interested and involved and get a few new writers um, on the roster as well for the next issue. So yeah, uh, either the website or Substack, uh, TBC. One thing that we ask a lot of our guests to talk about is what they consider to be Irish food. We think that Irish food internationally especially is very misunderstood and often kind of stereotypical, like shepherd's pie. I would say also, I think it's great that you're having a lot of Guinness and potatoes at your launch party because they're both super delicious. But I'm just wondering if you if you could share some of your favorite Irish foods as well as what you might consider to be an unexpected part of Irish food culture, especially for people that aren't Irish. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I totally agree that I... I mean, I'm in two minds about the stereotypes associated with Irish food. I hate that everybody thinks that we only eat potatoes and drink Guinness, but actually I love potatoes and I drink a lot of Guinness. So it's a stereotype that I certainly lean into. Um, However, I mean, 
we've had a really weird and kind of flawed relationship with our produce, I think, over however many hundred years in the sense that for me, Irish food is very much about seafood. And Irish people thought that seafood was peasant food because of our kind of background with it. Like wealthier people didn't consume seafood, but then people who were living near the sea did. And they were kind of, you know, perceived as it was perceived that the only reason they were doing it was because they had a lower income. And then, of course, we sold our quotas because the French saw the importance of it before we did. Um, but for me, like Irish food is about like like mackerel and Dub Dublin Bay prawns and this really amazing produce that is swimming all around our island that we can get really, really fresh from places like Hoth. But actually, you know, every, everybody thinks it's all about potatoes, which actually wiped out certain strands of food that we were consuming regularly. So it's a really kind of, it's a bit controversial, but it's something that I think internationally people don't know about. Um, and then again, like we have this amazing kind of really mineral dense soil and this great grass and really temperate climates that we give out about a lot. Um, but but the rain means that actually, and, and of course the, the, you know, very cooler or the much cooler temperatures mean that our like vegetables are absolutely amazing. We, we do really have this really rich, rich produce. Um, and like I said earlier, with our food education and restaurants, I, it's something that we're very much talking about now. And I think a lot of chefs and, and people who are in the know of food are coming over and experiencing that for themselves, like the likes of Jane Ray, Jay Rayner with Note. But I think it needs to be put on the map more and more. And I think we talk, need to talk about it as much as we possibly can. Um, although it may be a challenging time when, when restaurants are continuously closing here. So I really hope that uh, the government sees that as an issue and starts to try and solve that as well. Yeah, well, it seems like <clears throat> um, an even more important time to be talking about food and culture outside of the restaurant world, which is, I think, one of the big things that you're trying to do. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, but and it, it is kind of a conversation that's come up time and time again, especially recently. Like I said, I'm a real champion of Irish food and I talk about it a lot. I was talking to my cousin who, for context, grew up in South Africa, but is of Irish descent and now lives in London. And he was like, oh, Irish food is terrible. And I was just like, no, it's absolutely amazing. I've got amazing produce. I'm like a broken record. And then he was like, but we don't have an Irish food culture. And I was like, we actually do. But I, I think maybe it's not as fully formed as something like, you know, the French, you know, their gastronomic meal of the French is a UNESCO heritage. So how can we compete with something like that? Um, but it is really amazing. And I do think that we are kind of putting it on the map more. Hopefully, Guzzle will have a very, very, very small part to play in that. Too. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think, and it's really interesting. Obviously, there are cultures that where their cuisine goes back, you know, and hundreds or thousands of years. But I mean, for the most part, those cuisines are like constructed, right? Like they're actually, people need to make that. It's a creative act. So, you know, for everyone who says that there's no Irish food culture, it's like, it's kind of being made and continues yeah. to be made. So yeah, I think you're playing a, a part of that act of creation <laughs> right now, right? I certainly hope so. <laughs> cool. Can you describe, physically describe what it will look and feel like in terms of how it will not look and feel like a zine? Like what's the printing format and all that? Yeah, so should know the dimensions. It's going to be slightly smaller than A4. Uh, printers have been very pissed off with us because it's not an ideal um, design in the sense that it's shorter than A4. So there's a lot of waste involved, but it looks nice. It's slightly bigger than a handbag, but it just means that I think people will be more inclined to bring it around than say something that was A4. 
Um, it's perfect bound, like I said, 92 pages. Um, there are 18 essays, two interviews, uh, and a series of eight photographs uh, commissioned by our mission by Guzzle with Rudy D'Souza's photographs, and then illustrations by Connor Nolan and Z Kirks. When I was speaking to Shane about branding it and, and doing the layout design, I was like, anything goes. I want it to be really wild. So there's like very much a clash of kind of different fonts and different type, like different typefaces, different illustrations, different colors um, and different styles because I want it to be, you know, really contemporary. I don't want it to be something where people are like, Irish food is just potatoes and, you know, just really kind of boring hills and well they're not boring they're beautiful but like you know a lot of Irish hills and and that kind of stereotype I wanted it to be quite cool and contemporary um so yeah it's just jam-packed with color and words and it, it's just come together so nicely in that regard I think Shane did did an amazing job like you'll see it when it all comes out but even like he's used very nice design devices and quirks so some of the text like I'll, I'll give a spoiler but Ode to an Onion by Owen Conway it's about his disliking towards onions, which surprisingly enough has never changed. I hated them as a kid, but now I appreciate them. I wouldn't say I like them that much though. But he's used this kind of very curved typeface. So he's created an onion design. Um, and actually that's one of my favorite parts. And then even for Andy Schilling's essay, which is actually about film and cinema. So it's not necessarily talking about a societal issue, but it's really pulling in those parallels between art and food. Z did this kind of really amazing like 1920s style illustration for that. So it kind of like plays with that kind of 1920s cinema. Um, so yeah, lots of really interesting kind of design quirks and devices. It is, as much as I was saying, I didn't want it to be aesthetic, but it is physically aesthetic, but very much about Irish culture and Irish food culture. Well, it sounds great. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I genuinely, like, we have got the test prints done. It's going to print um, in a few days. So I, I don't think I've ever been more excited to get a project out into the world. It's, I mean, I've wanted to do a printed publication for years because I have stacks and stacks and stacks of them. But it's just been something that I've always really loved. And even I lived abroad in, in the Czech Republic like years ago. But, I mean, I was I was constantly collecting things like that because they are, they're nice totems. Like, when you're traveling or even when you live in the city, it's just a really nice keepsake to have again, to kind of communicate that culture. And um, so, yeah, hopefully everybody else will see it in the way that I do too, because again, I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> Before we sign off, can you share the details about the event and your website so that if people are listening and they want to get a copy or learn more, they know how to do that? Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so the Instagram is guzzle and um, at guzzle.ie. So sharing lots of different updates on Instagram. So would love to get lots of people to follow it and share because of course, I want one issue one to be successful in order to go ahead with an issue two. Um, the website is a work in progress, but I think that by the time this podcast goes out, it will be up and running. Um, so again, guzzle.ie, it's going to be quite basic. It will just have, you know, a little bit about the, the publication and a link to buy it. Um, and then distributors are Library Project and Temple Bar, Marlowe & Co. in Dublin 8, and I give a third one that has escaped from my mind. And the launch will be in Hen's Teeth on Sunday, the 20th of November from six to eight. Um, and there's actually going to be a panel discussion. I hate the word panel discussion, but there's going to be a discussion um, about the parallels between food and creativity. I know food is massively creatively creative, but more that kind of visual culture element. Um, so delighted uh, to be working with Hen's Teeth on that. They've been really amazing. Sounds fantastic. 
Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about it, and we're looking forward to getting a copy of it, and we hope others are as well. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here today. Thanks so much for your time, uh, Max and Kate. Thank you. Thank you. Dyed Green is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. Dyed Green is a project of Bog and Thunder, whose mission is to highlight the best of Irish food and culture through food tours, events, and media. Find out more at bogandthunder.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any story suggestions, questions, or things you'd like to share in response to our broadcast, you can email us directly at dyedgreen at heritageradionetwork.org.